Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at My Peace Corps Story, on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story, and over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com. And if you haven't done so, please leave a review for the show over on Apple Podcast. This episode is coming out the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. So for all those who are listening right around that time, happy Thanksgiving. I remember my two Thanksgivings in Peace Corps. Uh, The first one, uh, pretty uh, lackluster, just in my village. I made some noodles with the butter. I only remember this because my parents called me and asked what I was doing. But the second Thanksgiving, I had that with fellow volunteers, uh, and it was an absolute blast. So if you are in your service right now celebrating Thanksgiving, whether it be on the one spectrum of buttered noodles or uh, with uh, fellow RPCVs or PCVs, I hope you have a great time. Well, on this week's episode, I talk with two volunteers who served at the same time who are now business partners. We talk about their new project, Artisans, where they are creating, as uh, they begrudgingly call it, the Etsy for the developing world. I think you guys are really going to enjoy their stories about their company that was born in the Peace Corps. So, without further ado... Here is the My Peace Corps Story podcast. This is this is this is this is my my Peace Corps Peace Corps my Peace Corps my Peace Corps story story story. This is Kevin Ratursky. This is Stephen McVeigh, and this is and our this Peace, is Corps, our Peace story. Corps story. <laughs> uh, hey guys, how are you doing? Doing, doing great, Tyler. Tyler. Well, uh, as you can tell, uh, we are going to have fun talking over one another because uh, this is a first for the My Peace Corps Story podcast where I am talking to two different people who are not in the same location. Uh, I had some uh, reservations or one hesitations if I could even uh, figure it out how to do it technologically, uh, but my recording software automatically handles it, so that's good. Uh, but we probably will have more of this of um, starting and stopping and talking over one another. Uh, but I'm excited to talk with each of you, Kevin and Steven. I just start off and let everybody know actually where you are Skyping me from. All right. I'll uh, jump in there first. Uh, so I'm, I'm Skyping you from Asuncion, Paraguay, right in the heart of South America. And I'm Skyping from Santa Elena, Ecuador, in the small town of Bayanita. Okay. And where did you guys serve in the Peace Corps? Kev, do you want to take that one? Sure. <clears throat> so uh, we both served in Paraguay, and I was in the, the town of San Juan Bautista from 2015, uh, or March of 2015 until May of 2017. And I served as a married couple uh, with my wife, Claire. And uh, I served as a single guy. In Luque, uh, it's a town just outside of Asuncion, 
Um, it's actually kind of a unique site to get uh, because it was a town of a, a city, uh, better said, about 300,000 people. So it definitely wasn't small. It was a much more urban experience. Uh, but I also served from 2015 to 2017. In fact, Kevin and Claire were the first people that I met uh, on the Peace Corps journey, which is funny. Yeah, that's right. We had uh, about, what, 10, 15 suitcases, Stephen, and we couldn't get in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Couldn't get a cab to take us, and I felt bad for yeah. Stephen because we delayed delayed his uh, getting to the hotel. <laughs> I forgot about that. And it is interesting that I am I'm talking to two people who had independent services that uh, weren't partners in the traditional sense, because I have talked to married couples who were married and then came into Peace Corps, married couples who met uh, during Peace Corps, uh, but you guys are partners now uh, in a business sense, and, and we're going to get into that uh, sort of towards the end of the show uh, and why you guys started this and what it led with. But what were you guys actually doing as Peace Corps volunteers? So I was in the town of Luque, and I actually lived uh, in an orphanage. Uh, we call it Hogar. O- orphanage in Spanish is a little a little bit of a stronger word than you most people want to use. Um, but that's essentially what it was. It was a small compound of about 100 kids aged from uh, an infant all the way to 18. That's when you age out of the of the program. And so I mentioned Luque is a really large city, so they don't just kind of throw you into the city and say, hey, find a project. They associate you with an organization of some kind. So I was lucky. Um, I had a really good organization, um, Spanish, I know what it's called, Children's Villages SOS is the organization. So it's worldwide, and they do this service for kids that don't have homes. And I lived in the guest house, actually, of this compound. So I was there day in, day out with these kids. I'm an only child, actually. So um, I now have, like, about 100 little brothers and sisters, which is very weird, very dramatic change. But I was... um, an economic development volunteer, and my main project was they had a computer lab, a donated mobile computer lab uh, from one of the telecom companies here in Paraguay. And there was about 10 laptops inside, and they wanted to utilize it. They had no structured course or anything along those lines. So uh, skipping around a little bit, pretty much my two years, I spent a lot of time building an, uh, an IT course uh, that could work for kids from five years old up to about 20. And we created uh, youth groups uh, to run the, the Tigo Telecenter and to uh, kind of open it up as a community project. But we ran classes there pretty much every single day of the week uh, for various hours, uh, along with a few other side projects. And then uh, I was also a community economic development volunteer, and my wife was a health volunteer. So we did do a lot of kind of collaborating uh, when we were in our community of San Juan Bautista. Uh, but my primary projects uh, on the CED side were focused on on youth and specifically entrepreneurship. Uh, there was a program called uh, Paraguay Emprende, which was started by a Peace Corps volunteer. Uh, now it's close to six, seven years ago. And it's centered around uh, teaching youth, uh, high school aged and college aged about entrepreneurship. So it's a 
like a 12-week course that involves a, a manual that was created by Peace Corps uh, volunteers, and it guides them through the process of you know, coming up with an idea for a business all the way through the end of creating a business plan. And I was the coordinator of that program uh, while I was there. And at the end of that program is a, a competition for seed funding. So it was a pretty neat initiative. And you had it, it taught across different, uh, different locations in Paraguay, from bigger cities like Asuncion uh, to very rural communities uh, that the course was being taught. And then you would have uh, essentially winners from each community, and they would compete in a national competition uh, to win seed funding. And uh, I, along with a team of other Peace Corps volunteers, coordinated that uh, project. And I also worked with small business owners, uh, providing financial advice, uh, giving them assistance with marketing their businesses. Uh, we did a lot with education, uh, going into the high schools, and then cross projects uh, with my wife. We worked with a, a special needs school, uh, providing curriculum there. We worked in the health posts and kind of got a wide uh, a wide service in terms of, of the different projects we worked on. So it was a, a great experience. Okay, so uh, a wide range of projects, um, maybe the majority in the, the said sector, community economic development, but as uh, volunteers are wont to do, we, we veer off into other projects and activities because we, we have a lot of time on our hands over two years uh, <laughs> and, and, and want to have the, the biggest impact. Uh, do you guys, I mean, you talked about a lot of your projects. Do each of you have a a project that you you enjoyed the most maybe you didn't have the the biggest impact on a on a, a traditional you know sort of impact level of you you built this big massive thing uh, but a project that you walked away from that you felt that you took the most from not not necessarily that you you gave the most uh to but that you really walked away taking uh the most from uh you know the the project I really enjoyed was uh, it actually occurred over the summer in Paraguay, and uh, for volunteers that you know obviously work it, during the summer when school's out, you know there isn't a lot to do, right? Because the kids are out of school, and you know <laughs> there's a lot of being around the house and integrating in the community, uh, but but the work can dry up at, at certain points. So what we did is we we set up a program with the the local library. And, you know, as a kid for me, it was always very exciting to do kind of summer-ish camps, uh, kind of do book club type things and, and and engage with other kids in a fun environment and also learning. So we did a, it was kind of like a reading and summer program with the library where we invited children from uh, ages seven uh, up to like 14 uh, for this summer program, and we we made learning learning and reading fun. We had a lot of uh, interesting events and sports, and uh, reading. Obviously, we we were able to ensure that they were checking out books and providing little book reports, and we did little skits and and all this fun stuff that uh, for me was very impactful because it was a summer long activity that that really helped us. 
you know, do something unique in the community that they really hadn't seen before because usually there isn't a lot of summer activities going on. So that was one that we, we really enjoyed. Yeah, uh, Kevin talking about the summertime, it brought back all kinds of memories because, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if you do a lot of work in or around a school or, I mean, the, the kids in the communities are always kind of the most open to do stuff with you. Uh, so that's usually where Peace Corps volunteers gravitate towards. And yeah, summertime can be kind of <laughs> overbearing if you're in a small community and the kids have nothing left to do. Uh, they're not being entertained in school anymore. And that was sort of the issue, uh, not issue, but the opportunity that presented itself uh, in my site. Because like I had mentioned, I, I didn't live outside of it. I lived in a guest home that was surrounded by 12 other houses that were all these kids. And they had, uh, you have to forgive me on my wording, Tia's uh, aunts. That would be like the host mom, basically, for the, for the family. And it'd be about seven to eight kids per house. And it was all fenced in. So there wasn't a whole lot of places to, to escape to. So when the kids didn't have school, it actually meant that I had a lot more uh, kids to entertain. Um, I think kind of going outside of a structured project, like what you had mentioned, Tyler, was... Uh, just kind of being uh, present, you know, in, in some other people's lives. Um, I didn't speak Spanish uh, when I got here. I spoke enough, I guess, to get past the application. But uh, when I got here, I realized that I couldn't understand anything that people were saying to me. So it took me a long time to get comfortable in my Spanish. And I think a lot of people will back me up when I say that the best way to learn a language is from the kids in your community. They, they're not afraid to tell you that you're saying something wrong. And they just, <laughs> their vocabulary is kind of on par with yours. So I had a lot of time to build relationships with a lot of kids that were coming from pretty challenging backgrounds. Um, you know, these, some of these kids were coming from, you know, parents that just abandoned them to parents that went to prison to these kids never really knew what their background was. They were just picked up one day uh, on the street. Uh, so you know, they've seen a lot of stuff and they feel very detached from a lot of other people that they interact with. And when you're a stranger in another country, you can, you know, in a very much lesser extent, kind of uh, empathize with that feeling, or at least they can kind of project that onto you. Um, so I built a lot of relationships with a lot of kids that normally didn't talk to, you know, adults or interact in school uh, because I couldn't really respond back. There was a lot of listening. Um, and I built a lot of good relationships with some of these kids and helped them with some of their anger issues and um, kind of helped rebuild a little bit of, of shattered confidence. And, and it wasn't through, you know, a structured project that Peace Corps gives you in a manual or something that I thought of. It was honestly having no other recourse besides you know, like hiding in my house or being outside where all these kids were and shooting a basketball around or just sitting at a table drawing with them or running around in the rain um, and just getting dirty and playing around. Um, I think that's something that outside of something, you can't really put that down on your VRF uh, easily, uh, but it was something that's always stuck with me and struck me as probably the most impactful thing that I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's usually the things that aren't aren't the projects, aren't the structured things, the things that we we can't fill out and report back to Peace Corps headquarters and say, okay, you know, I planted this many trees or taught this many literacy classes. It's the stuff like that that really sticks with us. Uh, exactly. That we're, 
the relationships that we make. And speaking of relationships, I would like to to get into uh, the relationships that you had while you were there with uh, your significant others. Uh, so, you know, Kevin, you came into Peace Corps uh, married uh, with your wife. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about serving as a married couple and then actually get into uh, what I just learned about right before you, uh, <laughs> before we start actually formally started the interview uh, about, you know, what ended up happening uh, during guys' service. Uh, service. So I don't want to give too much away, but uh, Kevin, take it away. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. And yeah, so we served as a married couple and it was always uh, kind of a goal of ours at some point to to do this together. Claire had been one to, <laughs> since I'd known her, talked about the Peace Corps and wanting to join and took about eight to nine years of convincing (laughs) before we took that big leap uh, because we were both uh, in our professional careers before that. But yeah, it was, it was amazing. I mean, we were recently married. Uh, We were about a little over a year married and, you know, it was, I think the surreal moment was when we were kind of, and we got to that day of training that first day and then, you know, you meet your host family and then that night, you know, they take you in and you live with them for, for the next three months during training. And I remember we were walking, you know, into this, this small little home and we walked up these stairs and we had this, you know, little bedroom uh, where we were going to be staying. And the family was, they had uh, between everybody that was living there in and out between, you know, 12 to 14 people. So it was... Uh, very new to us since we were living together independently before that. But it, it didn't take long before, you know, we felt like part of the family. Um, I think being married, people have this, or seeing a married couple, I think people have even uh, more interest in, and they feel, um, you know, this sort of connection is kind of what we felt. And they were very loving to us and and we still have a good relationship with them even now i was just uh wishing a few birthdays on facebook the other day and sending some whatsapps out to to my old host family and and from there i mean it was really you know the experience from there once we got to site was you know i think for us it was it was a big advantage uh of being a married couple one because you have somebody else by your side you know, helping you through this difficult process of, of transition. And, you know, Stephen pointed out language. My wife was, she had minimal, I mean, barely any Spanish. Uh, she barely passed the test to get in. So it took her, you know, six months to really get comfortable with speaking Spanish. And, um, you know, having each other was, was huge. And, and we always could kind of lean on each other during hard times and celebrate during the the up times. So, you know, that was the, the best benefit. And then working together, being together every day was, was something we've never experienced because in our careers back home, we were, you know, working separate lives and, uh, you know, coming home late at night, eating dinner and, and not really growing in our relationship is what I would probably say. And then, a year into our service, we had a wonderful surprise 
of of Claire becoming pregnant. So we we were very happy, very excited, and in the back of our minds was the question of what happens next with with Peace Corps because we were very committed, and you know by no means wanted to to leave. So there was a you know there was a conversation with with the doctors first. We we told the the Peace Corps doctor of, of Claire's situation, and he was very supportive. And we went to the Capitol. We we verified that the results were accurate, um, even though we did the the test in site that, that revealed she was. And it, and then he wasn't sure. It, it seems I'm sure. Probably people listening are haven't really heard of a story of someone getting married, or I'm sorry, getting pregnant during their service. So I think it was new to to even the staff there, all the way up to the director. They, they weren't really sure how to handle the situation and, and what the guidelines were. So there was a little waiting period where you know we continue with doctor visits and that while essentially our, our matter was being reviewed by uh, the folks in Washington. And at the end of the day, it was kind of a you know decision made by Washington that that Claire couldn't continue as a volunteer, with uh, the reasoning being the 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 lack of of care they thought wasn't up to the standard that they needed in terms of the hospitals, and uh, there was Zika was prevalent at the time. So that was also a risk factor that that they were considering, I believe. And she was medically separated shortly after uh, she became pregnant. So it was it was hard. I mean, it was really hard. It was pretty heart wrenching uh, because at that moment we felt like we were going to have to go home, and you know, we had made close friends in, in the community, and, and felt like we were really doing some impactful work. And and then we talked to to our APCDs and the country director, and and we made in our families, and we made the decision to stay. So we we just went back to our communities, and and it was almost like nothing happened. Uh, I guess uh, technically Claire wasn't a volunteer, but she was still doing all of the the work of a volunteer, and. Yeah, I mean, once we told our community, they were thrilled, and you know, there was at least three or four baby showers for Claire, and you know, the the warmth and and the, the feeling of, of of love was exponentially grown uh, with the the thought of a baby coming into the community. So, so then we uh, she was planned for a natural birth, and. We had the child in Asuncion, where Stephen is now, and that's the capital of Paraguay, where uh, it's the biggest city, uh, very good facilities, very good doctors, hospitals. And he was born uh, about eight months before we finished our service. So he, our son, Leonardo, and he was born. We spent a few weeks in, in Asuncion, and then we went back to our community and continued our, our service, and then we, we finished in May of 2017. Wow. So not, not only uh, 
did you guys get you know get pregnant while in Peace Corps? You you had your son in Peace Corps, and then you, the first what eight months of your son's life were while you guys were serving in Peace Corps in Peace Corps as Peace Corps volunteers. Yes, yeah, he was our, our junior Peace Corps volunteer <laughs> for the the last eight months. So he would. He would come with us everywhere. We'd go on walks. He'd come with us to class. Uh, I mean, Stephen and all the other G-mates knew him well we, when we go to Asuncion. And he was, yeah, very much a part of the community. I mean, they were absolutely head over heels for him. Well, that definitely uh, takes the cake for the uh, youngest serving Peace Corps volunteer uh, <laughs> by, by still a lot. Going. <laughs> Still going, yeah. Yeah, you can see this guy now. <laughs> yeah, he's he just turned two in September, and then my my wife is expecting our, our second child in a month. So here in December, we're having our second child here in Ecuador. Well, congratulations! Thank you. And then transitioning to to Stephen and the relationship that you, uh, I guess this developed while you were a Peace Corps volunteer? No, actually, so ah. I'm just going to prep everybody right now that there's no way that I'm going to come close to touching that story that Kevin and Claire had. So this isn't anywhere near school. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Stephen. Um, I, pr- I probably should have... No worries. I, pr- I probably should have like led with you first and then done Kevin. I really set you up for failure. All good. No, Stephen's story is wonderful. No. no, so I actually extended my service... Um, for another year. So I was a Peace Corps volunteer for three years. Uh, I mentioned Children's Villages SOS uh, was the organization that I worked with in Luque with the kids. After my project with them, uh, Peace Corps had dropped a lot of hints that there were opportunities available. They don't, at least here in Paraguay, um, advertise it very much. I, I don't know how many people they want always applying for that. But they made it clear that the opportunity to extend for a third year, live in the capital, and essentially be, um, you know, a, a counterpart to some organization, an NGO of some kind uh, that associates with your sector, was an option. So I kind of made a pro and con list about staying an extra year because I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I knew that I didn't feel like I was done yet, uh, but I also, you know you kind of get to a point in your Peace Corps service where you're kind of counting down the days and you're ready to go. And I was definitely experiencing that as well. So it was kind of a weird setup. But I ended up kind of taking a risk and, you know, talked to a few people at Children's Villages asking if there was some sort of opportunity to work in the capital, in the the main office that they had. And to my surprise, uh, they actually were very accepting to the idea. They were actually really happy about it. Uh, a lot of the work that I had done uh, with the the IT uh, setup, they wanted to replicate that. So there's six uh, different um, hogars, orphanages around the country of Paraguay. So one of them was in Luque, and there's five others scattered about. So they wanted to replicate that service. So they brought me in to to create that program for them and to travel around to the other um, orphanages and ramp up that IT course. So it was during that uh, third year is when I met um, Rocio, who is now my fiance. She's a, a Paraguayan 
uh, it's weird saying host country national. It sounds like a weird label, but so she's just Paraguayan. Um, I met her like you pretty much meet anybody. Like we were out at a at a bar. Uh, I had some volunteers invite me out. Um, all of my friends, Kevin, Claire, um, you know, I'll give a couple shout outs, Gabby, Ray, Kyle. I had some really good friends that left, um, from their service ending. So I was still in Paraguay serving as a Peace Corps volunteer, but kind of my network of friends had left and I was kind of in that weird, awkward position where you need to go out and make friends again. So I was going with kind of some of the younger volunteers. I was trying to learn my new city, which was Asuncion. And I'm really, really glad that I did it that day because that was the day that I met uh, Rocio. She was also invited out um, by a mutual friend of ours, a Peace Corps volunteer. Um, and we just started talking and uh, really hit it off. Uh, the next day, I, we kind of met up again and had a nice date and kept having dates. And then uh, <laughs> when you know is the right one is the right one. It's actually really, really easy. Kevin, if you remember, you gave me a lot of advice on that kind of stuff um, back in the day. So, you know, Kevin and Claire, everybody that if you would talk to from our group that came in together uh, would always give Kevin and Claire as an example of kind of, a, I wouldn't say picture perfect marriage, but definitely one that you would <laughs> reach out to and really hope for because it's very clear that they are not just you know a couple that they're best friends. They really really enjoy being around each other, and uh, it was something that everybody probably looks for, I think. And I recognized pretty fast that that was uh, who Rocio was. Um, so about and six months, seven months into us dating, I invited her to come back to um, my hometown in the states for Christmas to introduce her to some family. Um, and then I just kind of went with it and proposed to her um, up there. And we are scheduled to get married in August of next year uh, here in Paraguay. So her family obviously lives here. She lived in the States for uh, two years as an au pair. And uh, so she's very familiar with, this, with the States and traveling. Um, but we decided to have the wedding here in Paraguay so more of her family could come. And it's a good excuse to get some of my family and friends uh, down here to to see what this place actually looks like. <laughs> well, congratulations on your engagement. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, so you guys have uh, a lot of things going on, and, and not only did you have a, a child that was born in the Peace Corps, a relationship that was born in the Peace Corps, you guys have a, a company that was born in the Peace Corps and that is, I guess, really uh, about to to launch or launching its next iteration uh, very, very soon. So tell us about uh, your company and the work that you guys have continued to do together after Peace Corps. Awesome. Uh, so what we are setting out to create is basically a, an online marketplace um, for artisans that are in the developing world. So, you know, we've, a lot of economic development volunteers uh, recognize that you can use basic business to cause a lot of social positive change, right? I think that's kind of becoming a, a bit of a trend right now. A lot of people are talking about the whole social entrepreneur uh, concept. And uh, Kevin and I share uh, an opinion that Peace Corps just breeds that 
out of its volunteers. You know, you get put into so many situations that you creatively have to overcome. And then when you finish your Peace Corps service, you're kind of left confused on what to do. And I think we both kind of came to the conclusion that we could just keep doing some of the work that, that we wanted to do and that we had done in service and then even kind of add to it with everything that we had learned. So, Kev, I'll let you talk a little bit about, you know, Emprende and how that ties into um, building up and um, capacitating the artisans that we're working with. But as an overview, it's um, an online marketplace for the artisans to sell directly to customers. Um, it's a pretty impressive statistic that, you know, the craft work, craft work, craft economy, I think is what it's kind of dubbed right now. It's the second largest employer around the, around the developing world. The first is agriculture. Second is, is craft economy. And I mean, it's valued around $34 billion. There's people that support their entire community by taking techniques that are hundreds of years old and then still adding like some modern designs and creating works of art that are then sold in a marketplace generally to people traveling through uh, for a fraction of what that they're worth. And a lot of that's just because a lot of these artisans are disconnected from the benefits of global trade. Uh, so we realized that all the resources to connect these two parties together existed. You know, we have you know, logistic companies in pretty much every developing country at this point. The Internet is pretty much all over the place. And a lot of, um, a lot of artisans have access to smartphones. So, you know, being able to take a picture of a product and put it online isn't as far removed. It's still quite a challenge for some people, but there's a lot of people that can, can do it. Uh, so we kind of played around with a few different uh, methods and then decided that the best strategy is to essentially create a, a virtual store. Uh, I hate using this example, but it really gets to the point. It's essentially an Etsy for the developing world, for artisans that don't have those type of, the, that kind of access to get onto a platform like Etsy, and Etsy has no reason to try to find these artisans. Um, it actually has a bit of an issue with people traveling to developing countries, buying a lot of artisan products in bulk, and then bringing them back and selling them as their stuff. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty big issue that I know that the company is looking into. And that's what we're trying to stop. We're trying to connect the customer with the artisan and um, allow the artisan to actually keep a lot of the money that they're losing. Uh, from resellers and from logistics. Yeah, and, and just to add on to, to Stephen's comments, so we we realized as we ventured into this business, you know, the, the power of, of small businesses, established businesses that are here in the developing world. And, you know, not only do we work with rural artisans, we work with established, you know, young entrepreneurs, older entrepreneurs, and people who are essentially looking for access, you know, they, they could have a locally, you know, within their given country doing very well, you know, within their local market selling, you know, quality goods and, and making decent profit, but they're limited in how much they can scale because they don't have access to, you know, the bigger markets, the U.S. and Europe. And, and that's where we we're trying to kind of encompass both sides of it, you know, the established artisan, the rural artisan, and then also try to create partnerships with some of our established artisans and rural artisans to connect them 
and and hopefully get them to work together. And I think, you know, what we learned very early on with Peace Corps is is the concept of sustainability. And as Stephen mentioned, you know, we think the the most sustainable model is to to empower these business owners. You know, give them the ability to to manage their own storefront, to you know, take product photos, to ship their own products, and and that's what we're trying to do. You know, there's obviously some challenges with that, uh, depending on the um, depending how established the artisan is. You know, a lot of times they don't have certain resources to permit that, and that's where we come in and try to help with that. Um, but we're really that access point, you know, to connect them to to customers and, you know, the bigger picture is, is wholesalers and other boutiques uh, for those that want to ship in bulk. And how many different countries are these artisans located? Are you guys just focusing on Paraguay right now with uh, hopes and dreams of expanding? Yeah. So we're right now in Paraguay and in Ecuador. Um, we have a couple conversations out with some other people. We've had a, a lot of people follow us at, at Artisans. Um, I, I got to get better at spelling it quickly. But uh, for our Instagram page, we've had a lot of active Peace Corps volunteers reach out to us saying exactly what we know, that, that they're working with really talented artisans that would love an opportunity to try to market and sell their things overseas and how can they get involved. So right now we're going to be launching and kind of testing the pipes, making sure that the model actually works uh, because this is, you know, people's livelihood and you know, we're not going into that lightly. We're taking it slow, um, but we understand that the ability to scale is, is pretty enormous. We've had some great conversations with Peace Corps um, and kind of floated the idea. It, it matches up with a lot of things that people want to do. So there are volunteers, active volunteers, return Peace Corps volunteers, other development workers that live abroad uh, that are familiar with artisans and could very easily help them connect into this model. So uh, that's that's what we're we're looking forward to. But right now we're starting in Paraguay and Ecuador. Yeah. And how many different artisans are you guys working with at the moment? We're going live with. Four. Five. Five, excuse me. Yeah, Herlinda <laughs> just got on, so we have five now. Yeah, two from Ecuador, three from Paraguay. And then the idea is, like Stephen mentioned, kind of this, I don't know what the correct term is, a beta you know, test period during the, the upcoming sales season. So we have limited quantities from each of our artisans, and you know, that's going to be made available to customers to buy. And, and then the artisan will, will pack and ship and they have their storefronts on our website uh, on the platform the artisans platform and then from there you know we'll assess analyze evaluate and and hopefully get some good comments and feedback uh, that we can then go live with a full launch uh, shortly thereafter Mm -hmm. when when are you guys going live when are you guys launching yeah we're going live uh november 24th small business saturday yeah, at artisans.com, A-R-T-E-Z-A-N-Z. And that will be uh, 
almost certainly in the title of this podcast episode. Uh, the link will be uh, in the show notes, and this episode is going to come out on the Tuesday before. So if you're listening to it, this episode right when it comes out, uh, you've got a, a few more days, uh, I guess, flag bookmark uh, the webpage, <laughs> head over there on uh the the 24th and i see you guys have a uh, find out when we open so i guess people can drop their email in there and you'll be doing a an email blast uh that saturday or maybe the the day before on friday um what's what sort of stuff are like for the these first five artisans uh what are the things that you guys are gonna have uh for for people to purchase like if i'm if i'm listening right now and i'm thinking okay well maybe i can do some of my christmas shopping uh on, on this website well, what am i gonna find awesome kev do you want to talk about javier's products sure yeah so uh, essentially we have two categories right now which are accessories and and home goods and you'll find steven mentioned javier pink k He's a, a local artisan here in Ecuador on the coast, and he works with uh, tagua jewelry, which is a seed that is grown in the the forest jungle area here on the coast. And it's a pretty amazing process to watch kind of this organic material come to life and, and become this beautiful necklace, beautiful earrings. And so we have, you know, we have visibility of that through our YouTube channel where we kind of promote the artisans and show the, the stuff being made. And uh, to answer your question, it'll be jewelry, so earrings, uh, necklaces, and then we have some home goods, which are uh, uh, pahatokia, like baskets and things like that. And we're hoping to get some, we have blankets, rugs, and and those types of items right now. And then we have you know other artisans who are interested that'll be coming on uh, in the coming months. And we can, uh, throw in there as well that, that shipping on all these items is absolutely free. Uh, we've had a great, uh, partnership with DHL in these two countries, uh, where we've had an opportunity to talk with, uh, the people that make the decisions. They've really appreciated. Uh, I think I mentioned to you before we started recording, we had a, a successful Kickstarter where we raised $20,000. And that got the attention of a lot of people that were uh, vital in making this thing actually work. So um, you're going to find exactly what Kevin said, a lot of jewelry, all, everything handmade in very small batches. Uh, one of the artisans here in Asuncion, her name is Leila Bufa, and she makes incredible uh, home decor. But on the website for right now, she has jewelry, uh, ceramic jewelry, uh, earrings that are, you know, she crafts these things by hand. She uses a wood oven to, to burn everything. And the presentation on it is spectacular. And um, everything ships for free. And um, excited to share all that with the world. Yeah, you uh, can't beat free shipping. And then I'm, I'm now looking at your guys' Instagram, looking at the, the products that you guys are describing and talking about how about these uh these coffee mugs you guys gonna have these available uh next saturday ah <laughs> uh, man you're hitting me hard right there in the heart. <laughs> uh layla promised us that she would be able to get that live for our uh more formal launch but for the beta launch oh. she like I, like we said you know she runs her own store right she has she operates out of her house but she has um, orders that she has to fulfill. And she said that she was not going to be able to make those 
for the her virtual online store. So right now we have just the earrings, but yeah, those mugs are going to be available uh, on round two once we find out everything works. <laughs> okay, well, I'm definitely going to be uh, looking out for one of those mugs because uh, I, <laughs> Kevin, you called that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I love my coffee and my tea, and I'm always looking for a good mug that has a story behind it, and especially this, the the one that's on top in the photo, the speckled one with this cool little double loop handle. I mean, it's just a, it's just a fun looking mug. So, awesome. uh, I will be a future owner of one of those for sure. And um, I think I'm going to have some friends that are going to be future owners of some of this jewelry. Uh, so yeah, so this I mean this is right in, right in line with a lot of the stuff that I I look for when I'm trying to buy gifts for people that are unique, uh, speak to my personality and their personality and the shared experiences we've had. So I like that you guys are are are, are doing this and starting slow. And really trying to to figure it out and fine tune the concept and uh, and I, I look forward to to seeing what you guys do as you grow your company. Tyler, thank you, thank you very much for that. Um, I'll also just add in really quickly. I think Kevin briefly mentioned it. We are documenting this entire thing kind of in a vlog format uh, every week on our YouTube channel. Uh, we have a, a video coming out. So this most recent video was a step-by-step walkthrough of going into the jungle and getting the tagua seeds and watching Javier craft it. Uh, The video before that was Rocio and I trying to figure out how to do product photography. So uh, it's, it's, it's fun. We're trying to share the entire experience with people so that they can see, you know, where these things are coming from, that the people that are making these are real and that we live here on the ground and that, you know, it's not, we're not reselling this stuff. We're working together with this team and we're, kind of learning as we go as well. We like making sure that people understand that. Wow, that's awesome. And it's, that speaks so much to me and my my service in particular, because uh, I love photography and video. And I actually spent a lot of my service hanging out with either artisans or musicians, uh, documenting, doing doing exactly that. I have, I'm wearing a bracelet right now that was made from goat leather uh, in my village and I documented the whole thing of it being made and I have knives and sheaths and instruments and all these different things uh, but I never knew how to connect the people that I thought were doing amazing work uh, to a, a greater audience and hopefully that you know as you guys grow that there will be future Peace Corps volunteers that have that same experience and then can link up with you and this, you know, even though you don't like saying it, uh, and I can understand why the, the sort of Etsy of the, uh, developing, uh, sort of craft scene, uh, in the, in these countries, um, which, you know, I'm just excited to see where you guys go. Uh, and in, in closing the show, is there anything else that you want to let the listeners know about you guys, your service and your company? Kev, anything come to mind? Um, well, I guess, you know, from our service, you know, we can see, you know, the impact that it can have, you know, on on a person's life. And I'll just take my case, for example, uh, we were both, you know, career professionals before the Peace Corps and to be where we are today is beyond my wildest dreams. And I mean that for the better because, uh, the Peace Corps really opened up our eyes 
you know, to new experiences, to new cultures, and, you know, to new ways of thinking and to really develop this passion in us to, um, to continue working in international development. Um, I mean, we're very fortunate uh, for our time that we had in Peace Corps because it was really, a, I mean, a wonderful experience overall and a launching pad uh, essentially for the rest of our lives. And we couldn't be more, more grateful. Yeah. Uh, I just uh, very quickly add on uh, something that I'm really passionate about is people that decide to take on kind of the entrepreneurial mindset to tackle problems in a creative way and to think that they can kind of build their own profession if they want to. Um, I think Peace Corps is such a good training program for that kind of thing. And Tyler, you're a good you know, example of that with, the, with this podcast and all the other things that you do. Um, Peace Corps really challenges you in a lot of ways uh, that are really beneficial. If you see a problem in the world that you want to try to solve, uh, you don't have to stop when the when you ring the bell. I don't know if that's something people do in other countries, but when you're done with your Peace Corps service, you can keep doing it and try to turn it into a business or a nonprofit or or, or whatever. So um, I'm just really excited, uh, along with Kevin, that I was able to meet such like-minded, uh, passionate, ambitious people. And uh, if to the people that are listening to this, I really hope that you will go and subscribe to our YouTube channel, kind of get to know us and get in on the ground floor because, you know, we're committed to it and we have a really good outlook on how this thing is going to expand into other countries. So you're going to be able to not just, you know, support artisans in the developing world, buy unique products, but you can also be moderately entertained uh, by us learning how to do this and seeing a lot of aspects of a country that you probably don't get to see very often. Well, that is a, a perfect note to, to end on. Thank you guys for taking time with me today. Uh, two different locations. Uh, this uh, this interview worked out really, really well. Uh, so now I'm no longer uh, afraid and hesitant to bring on uh, multiple people at the same time. Uh, so, so thank you for, for working through uh, with me at the beginning as we, we made sure it was all all set and recording fine. Uh, and I look forward to uh, going onto your guys' website, uh, which will be this upcoming Saturday, Small Business Saturday. Exactly. Thanks, Tyler. Thank you for your time, Tyler. Appreciate it. And there you have it, another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get a new episode every single week when I release them. So whatever player you're listening on, hit that subscribe button so you get new excellent episodes every week. And guys, really go check out artisans.com. That is A-R-T-E-Z-A-N-Z.com. It is in the title of this show. It is linked in the show notes. It could not be easier. They are opening on Small Business Saturday, this upcoming Saturday from when this is released, right after Black Friday. Go support some RPCVs who are doing something awesome. And don't only go support them, uh, reach out to them. Let them know what you think of their store, what you like about it, what you'd like to see differently. As someone who has created websites uh, and various pieces of content online, I love honest, constructive feedback. They would love it too. So 
go go check them out. Go over to artisans.com this Saturday, Small Business Saturday, and, and poke around. See if you can do some of your holiday shopping with them and support their amazing cause. Well, guys, until next time, remember, every volunteer has a story. What's yours?